You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 346 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live. Uh, you know, it's, it's the middle of the All-Star break. There's not a whole lot going on, but uh, there's always stuff to talk about with, with this guy. So uh, welcome back to the show. It is Tyler Jones. What's up, man? What's going on, Brad? Thanks for having me on again. Uh, it's good to be back on the show. Absolutely. Uh, I figured we kind of just bounce around. I want to talk about some uh, some draft stuff with you because, you know, obviously the Hawks are off for more than a week here. And aside from a couple of hours on the, on the Friday of the All-Star weekend, there really is absolutely nothing to talk about that's new for the Hawks. We definitely hit on some guys uh, if we get to that. But I do want to have you on to talk about the draft a little bit because, you know, this is a big draft for the Hawks in a lot of ways, you know, beyond the obvious of just, you know, having a top pick probably, um, or maybe not having a top pick depending on how the rest of this, uh, the rest of the season goes, but yeah. uh, it's just an important, uh, important distinction. This is a pretty interesting draft too. So I wanted to hit on, on, on some guys here before we get to that. Let's just start there though. Uh, how worried are you that that's not going to be a top pick? Cause I know a lot of Hawks fans are really starting to freak out. This team's going to win too much, which I find funny because they still have the worst record in the league at this moment. But I think it's just the reality is setting in for a lot of Hawks fans that like the separation is just not going to be there so there nothing's going to be guaranteed here um the i mean the fundamental issue is that they're not the worst team in the nba agreed <laughs> and they might not at this moment they might not even be the third worst team in the nba just if like if they if everybody's healthy and they're playing their hardest to win basketball games they're better than they're just better than some of these like the kings and the suns are so bad like they just the Kings are the Kings have been one of the worst teams in NBA history quietly. They're winning games somehow through sheer, you know, through just basically best basically veteran grit of you know, every like eighth game or so. Zach Randolph um uh, plays at, you know, his all star peak form. But other than that, like they might be the worst team in the NBA. I don't know. But or or worst one of the worst teams in NBA history. The Suns are when Devin Booker's hurt, they just have nothing other than T.J. Warren. And, you know, they, they don't really – like, those teams don't have the same principles that the Hawks do on either end of the floor. Like, Hawks may not be talented, but they do try to execute a scheme and a plan, something you can't really say for those two teams. Um, you know, we go down the line with the Bulls. Miritich isn't there to save their butt anymore. Uh I don't know. Like it, and the Grizzlies are the Grizzlies. I mean, I like I've I've tweeted this out, but I think honestly there are probably some European basketball teams with more talent, uh, other than outside, out, of course, outside of like Mike Conley and Marcus Saul and Tyreek Evans. Like those dudes are either barely NBA players or just should don't belong in the league at all. I mean they. They've gotten some improvement from some dudes, but it's like you got to squint really hard at Andrew Harrison. I, I don't know that that team is really untalented. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, they the Hawks go into. I don't know. It's just going to come down to luck and maybe maybe they strategic strategically, you know, rest dudes. I, I don't know. It, 
it's going to be a coin flip uh, on where they're going to end up. For sure. And I think it's uh, all that is true. And, I, you know, sort of nuts and bolts wise, the Hawks are better than they've been this season when they actually play their best guys. And we've seen that last, you know, last couple of games, obviously in Detroit, they rested a lot of guys. But, you know, that brief period where they played their best rotation, they, they you know, taking out Miles Plumley and now Marco Bellino not being there, the team is also better as currently constructed, you know, injuries are a thing, you know, early in the season, the Hawks were without their bit, a lot of their bigs, you know, Mescal and Devin missed a lot of time. And if those guys were suddenly gone or if some of the wings were gone or all that stuff, uh, things would get interesting. But, you know, right now with the way that they're going to be, they're going to play hard because Bud just has them play hard. And it's not like this, this is the most talented team in the world, but they have, they have more talent and uh, they are, and they are better coached than a couple of other teams that are in the mix here. So I sort of get it. It's just, I don't know, for me, it's important to note that this is not the NFL draft. Like finishing last doesn't guarantee you anything. Uh, you know, you, you still want to finish last because you have the most people on balls. And honestly, there's more of a floor, uh, sort of a higher floor there. Because if you, if you finish last, you can't fall, you know, further than fourth, uh, it's, you know, so on and so forth from there. So if the Hawks finish, you know, fifth or sixth, they could, they could be picking seventh or eighth. And, that's kind of ugly. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, th- this draft is good, which makes it, which makes it a little bit easier to uh, sort of swallow that if that becomes the case. But because of the fact that this rebuild, um, it's not all predicated on this year, but this is a very big, important draft. So I don't know. I mean, what's the difference in this draft before we get to some guys individually? What's the difference in this draft between picking, you know, second or third and picking sixth or seventh? I think you and I have the same guy at number one, but you know, is there a huge gap between you know three and seven, three and eight in this draft? Um, I would say no, uh, but there probably is a gap in the type of value you can get. Um, just, I, I don't know, three, three through eight, it's just really all bigs. It's, it's, you know, like Travis Lane gave an interview, um, you know, this draft is an iron and beholder and like you can talk yourself into a lot of these guys, uh, even going at the far end of that list, you know, Wendell Carter around nine or ten. Like I think, you know, I think he he's got. I mean, he's got real two way talent in the NBA. He's probably on the lesser end compared to like Jaron Jackson, Mo Bamba, who who's going in that three and eight range. Um, you know, it's this is a very this is a very good draft to not be a good to be a bad basketball team. Because you're going to get, at the very least, you're going to get a plus starter. I, I feel strongly that if you're drafting what some somewhere between one through eight, you you have a very good chance of getting a plus starter in the NBA for ten plus years. So, I you know, um, it, I wouldn't say there's a really a big tier um, after the really Luka Doncic and uh, DeAndre Ayton. After those two, they're kind of all mushed together. It just depends on what you really like. Since there's not that much, I don't. I personally don't feel there's much of a talent gap between those three through eight guys. That it just depends on what specifically do you want to build your team around, or what what fits your style as a coach and a franchise as a culture, etc. But um, I don't know. It's it's. I mean, it's it's a deep. It's a it's a deep draft in the lottery. Um, so yeah, there's no question about that. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, in all of these guys and the eye, the eye of the beholder thing is very interesting because there's a couple of guys in these draft that were, that are definitely more, you know, a little bit riskier, a little bit higher upside picks. than there are guys that I think we both like that are a lot safer. You know, when mm-hmm. Carter is pretty darn safe, I think Jaron Jackson is very safe. We'll talk about him uh, in a little bit as well, but I don't know. It's kind of, 
it's all about what you prioritize. You know, Michael Porter Jr. is a super enigma that's not played at all in college, and uh, he was scouted heavily as a high school kid, so you, we kind of know a lot about him, but at the same time, never playing at all in college and having the back issue, there's, there's a big question there. Without the medicals that you and I are never going to get, it's tough for us to talk about him necessarily. So uh, let's the just go. The counter, to, though. Go ahead. Oh, no, just, no. I mean, the counter with Michael Porter, though, is that he is a wing. Yeah. And, I mean, he projects like – you know, I, I mean, I guess we'll get to him later, but the thing about Michael Porter is that wings are so valuable, and I can see, I can totally see a team just taking a risk because every every team, every team just needs, every team needs a two-way wing and especially needs a dominant scorer with Michael Porter, you know, his ceiling is, is of a dominant scoring basketball, you know, wing type, and that's the most valuable player in the NBA, uh, and so... You know, I can see a team just being like, you know, he's got red flags like Joel Embiid does. But, you know, we've scouted him since he was 14 years old and we know that he's the truth. Like, yeah, let's go ahead and take him. So that that I mean, it's just it's that type of it's that type of thinking that's going to be going on in this draft just because it's so, you know, it's it's so good. You can I feel like you can get a prototype of talent that you want for your team anywhere in this draft as long as you're in that top eight yeah it's and it might even be more than eight i mean i think i might you know as you mentioned it might be nine or ten like we'll we'll see what kind of how that falls there's some guys who are on that fringe um who that i kind of like i thought i mean you know carter's a guy i know i got i know and i know you like we already talked about that could sneak up atlanta's own yeah atlanta's own one with carter i mean you know atlanta has some has some ties to this uh yeah. this draft class so um all right, let's just quickly go um, through this thing and sort of – I don't know if you want to do tiers or whatever, but I think you and I agree that Doncic is still number one. Is that still a guy you have number one? I know you uh, you were sort of slandering DeAndre Ayton a little bit this week. No, I'm, I'm kidding about that. Slandering but, is a – I'm kidding. That, uh, <laughs> that's a tough term. That's a tough term. But, it is. Uh, it's it's nah. very tough. But uh, I, but you know what? Uh, I Like the only reason why I'm slandering Ayton so hard is that Doncic is – he has no holes in his game at the moment. And he's young, and he's a dominant European. Like he's probably he is the best basketball player in Europe right now, playing for one of the premier teams in Europe, Real Madrid. Like at eighteen, which is and crazy. he's and his I mean his just his raw numbers are crazy. And then you you know you project them out to per forty minutes or per thirty six because you realize he's only playing like twenty five minutes a night, and you know I mean he's just a monster and. And I get it from fans that don't, excuse me, don't believe in European basketball players or don't really watch European or think they are soft and all that because really, you know, we don't watch them play. Like it's a, it's a, it's a foreign game. But European basketball is so much harder than the NCAA, and to do what he's doing is truly unprecedented. Like no European basketball player has ever been this good, this young, ever. And like basketball, we're talking about basketball history. And he, it's like, it's tough to talk about his game because he doesn't, like, he just does everything well. I, I think his best skill is probably his playmaking. Um, he's such a skilled basketball player. Like, I, I like to compare, he plays similarly to, to James Harden, where he's functionally the point guard for Real Madrid, which is. I mean, it truly is insane to think about as an 18-year-old because European teams do not let eight, 
like young talented basketball players have a ball in their hands and do stuff with it like that doesn't happen just because they know they're not going to be there long term but when when you're that dominant that young like i just feel like any team like i feel like a team like you like you get somebody that good on the wing like he's going to come in the nba day one and be probably that team's best basketball player like i'm I'm personally comfortable in saying that, but, you know, I'm just some stupid fan. I don't really – I'm not a scout or anything. But at the same time, like, you see what he does on the floor. He can dribble with both hands, pass with both hands, cross-court, one-handed. Um, all the tricks to the game, very, very strong. He's big. Like, he's probably – he's probably he and Torian are probably the same height. And he might weigh yeah. more than Torian Prince. Like, I think that's he does. Thing. I think he does right he, now. I mean, his listed yeah. weight, I think it's like somewhere in the 230 range. Which two, I think is a little thicker. 230 at 18. And it's not like, like, he doesn't have, act, like, he doesn't have, act, one of the things that Giovanni um, um, over at uh, Draft Express now at ESPN, what he talks about with Doncic is that he's not done, like, maybe possibly improving his athleticism. He, you know, you know, Europe, they, they offer a lot, but they don't have the same facilities that he'll have over here in America, like getting a a real weight system, weight program and getting his body right. Cause he, I mean, he's strong, but like, you can see he can get even more cut. Like he can get viciously cut like the type and, and the way he just, and the way he already uses his body to shield defenders is so like special. That is something that is that only the truly greats in the NBA can do is being able to just stick, keep the ball away from the defender so that you can just do more and keep your head up at the same time. That's such a tough skill. And he's already a master at it at 18. Like personally, I feel like the Hawks would be lucky to have him. He'd, he'd change. He'd fun, fundamentally change the structure of this, of the Hawks as a basketball team, as organization and really any team with the number one pick, I think, would be foolish to not draft him because of his skill and also just because of the very real flaws that the other prospects have. Um, you know, you know, Doncic, he just doesn't have any holes. And I can, I can see people talking about, well, he's not, you know, he's not, he may only profile as an average defender. I'm not even sure about that just because of how big he is and how physical he is. Like, he is strong. Dudes already they he's in Europe. They can't back him down physically. And he gets in great rebound position. He boxes out. Like he's na- and he's nasty. Uh he talk he talks a lot. Uh, maybe that's one thing. He probably has a temper. Uh, but he's very competitive. Like we we too often I feel like people in NBA circles throw out, you know, competitive um as a you know as a term of endearment for basketball players that you know blow it or, or who can't keep it together mentally um i don't Doncic is not that he just genuinely hates losing um i don't know I, I truly think he's one of the special ones and you know the hawks really would be lucky to have him yeah i think that's all uh, pretty much sums up the way i feel about him as well it's one of those things where you know, people always want to ask me what his ceiling is, and it's like, I mean, it's kind of debatable, but I, I think there's such a premium placed on 
wings that can create for themselves and others right now that that raises his ceiling considerably. I understand, you know, some of the concerns. I think a lot of them are lazy and a lot of them come from people that haven't watched him play. Like, you know, they just assume that this six seven white guy from Europe can't be this great athlete and he can't be this primary option. And I don't really see that necessarily. You gotta watch him, you gotta key in. You know, he's not the athlete that DeAndre Ayton is because DeAndre Ayton's kind of a freak. But, you know, it's one of those things where I don't I'm not bothered by it. I think he's by far the safest guy in this class. I would be stunned if he, if he was not a good NBA player. Like, I'm not going to tell you that I'd be stunned if he wasn't like a super-duper star, but if he wasn't a very good NBA player, I would be very surprised. And that's something that has a ton of value because I know number one picks, usually you want, you know, huge upside, but, you know, guys, the guys that had the huge upside in this class have, have risk. So if you want to take the bigger risk, you take the bigger swing, and that's, you know, that's probably Aiden or, you know, Mo Bomber or whatever, whatever you want to do there. But if you want if you want that combination of upside and safety, it's pretty clearly Doncic, in my opinion. I think Aiton is the only guy that I could at least consider taking over Doncic, and I still wouldn't at this point. I, I have to see a lot more from Aiton in the next month to uh, make, make that change in my mind. Because I think it's, you know, you could probably convince me that that's a two-player tier, but for me it's kind of a 1A, 1B situation where Doncic is, is 1A. It, one thing I would like to add, like, because we all hear the lack of athleticism. I I don't think that's true. I don't. It's not. I don't think it is I, either. <laughs> I think he's very. I think he's really athletic, especially for his size, like six eight two thirty. LeBron James screws the math with everybody so often that we forget what a good athlete looks like. You're not supposed to be able to grab a rebound and push the fast break like Doncic does. Basically, he makes it look like nothing, and that's it. That's a very that's a very functionally high point in basketball, and then getting right into your uh getting right into a dribble. Only point guards can do that. He's six eight two thirty, uh, so like I don't know. I just don't I don't buy the athleticism. You know, gripe even and like I say, even the defensive gripe. He's he he he's sound. I mean, he he's not going to be an elite defender, but you know, he can switch out on dudes and. Nobody's going to be able to post them up. Uh, I mean, let, let's let's be real about what what this is. I think part of it is that he's that he's playing in Europe, and that brings out a whole batch of lazy takes in itself because people people can't watch him. People just assume that Europeans are all the same. Uh, and part of it's that he's white. And I get it. I totally understand. Like, there's not a whole lot of guys who look like him that are high level NBA wings right now. I, I understand that. At the same time, if you look at kind of what you're saying, the measurables, like he is, he's huge, like legitimately huge, and he's big and he's strong, and he's he is athletic. He's not he's not LeBron because nobody's LeBron, but like, you know, you would not have he would not look out of place athletically on the NBA court right now. And the no. whole the whole thing about the you know the, the level of competition, he's playing against better players than everybody in college is playing against. Yeah, if he's you, not. He's. I mean, I I think we both saw the tweet about somebody pointed out. Uh, Doncic doesn't play against you know NBA athletes. Meanwhile, Marvin Bagley's going up against Pitt. I mean, yeah, it's the all these guys. I mean, there there are games. Yeah, there are absolutely games where Bagley's playing against you know when he was playing against Michigan State earlier early this season, he's, and he's facing off against Jaron Jackson and Miles Bridges. Like, okay, I get that. Those guys are NBA athletes, but on a nightly basis, you know, he might see one guy that's going to be an NBA player on the other side of the court, and. Like if he's if lucky, if right? lucky, like, and and Doncic, I understand he's not playing in the NBA, but you know, he's playing in the <coughs> second best league in the world. Like all, you know, there are former NBA players, there are guys who could have been NBA players that just chose to stay over there. Just the level of quality is just is just higher. He's playing against grown men 
every night. And he's 18. He's younger than Trey. Like he's younger than basically all these guys. I, I need to look at it. Yeah. But I know he's, I know he's like six months younger than Trey Young. Like I know, uh, I think he's about the same age as Bagley and Bagley, Bagley reclassified and they're, and they're the same age. Like he's, he's absurdly young. So I don't know, man, I, I think you and I are on the same page. It's not like we're almost arguing against people that aren't here. <laughs> yeah. But, I feel bad. Yeah. It's not really much of an argument. Uh, <clears throat> Cause I mean, there's nothing to argue. Like, it is, but I, I wanted to always get it out there because I, I know uh, not that I not, not not just because we agree on it, but I just think you know between now and June we're gonna have this, they're gonna have this conversation again for sure. But I don't know. I just think, I think it's fairly clear. Um, anyway, we we can get off of, of Luca because there'll be plenty of time to discuss him. Um, everybody else, though, um, they're always one and done guys, and that's kind of been the trend for a long time now. It's, I'm not you know there's no beef with that obviously, but there's there's these uh, what I, what I would term as sort of the higher upside sort of athletic big men. Then there is Trey Young, and then there are the safe guys like your Jaron Jacksons, your Wendell Carter, and then there is, um, I don't know, and then there's another sort of tier there also. So I don't know. Where do you want to start with this thing? We, I guess we can start with the uh, with the next guys on the list, which is sort of the the athletic bigs because that's the uh, the the eight and Bagley uh, tier or grouping because those are the guys who are, I think I are would most... not put Bagley in Aiton's tier, but I'm, I agree. I, no, I, I'm yeah. actually with you. I just I think it's that's I, 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 why I, I quickly try to trade that to grouping because uh, I think a lot of Hawks fans you know see some polls. I think 92.9 did, did a poll the other day that. Um, the, the two guys that finished number one on the list were uh, were Young and Bagley, and I was cracking up because it's like those are the guys that ESPN tells you to like and that, that they've actually seen. Um, but I don't Let's know. Let's talk about Bagley. Let's for do a bit. it. Just because Mar- Marvin Bagley. He's also banged like, up right now, by the way. He hasn't played in a while, which is. Oh, yeah, something. yeah. I, I, yeah, he. Something wrong with his. He's knee. got a, he's got a sprain. Not, yeah. Hopefully it's nothing serious. It's just one of those, for sure, one of those growing pains or whatever. But Marvin Bagley is why NBA teams and organizations hate AAU basketball and AAU culture, and really wish that they had a sixteen and under system like they do in Europe and for soccer and basketball teams. You know, just something where they can get these uber talented kids into a professional structure so that they can understand basic, you know, offensive and defensive principles because Marvin Bagley might be one of the most talented basketball players I've ever seen. And he, he, but at the same time, he has no idea what he's doing on the floor. Like coach K. I mean, coach K is just doing his best just to basically hide him wherever he can on really both ends of the floor by just giving him the ball and telling him do whatever. And then defensively, like he, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. And that's, and that's the first thing I really wish more people would talk about when you're talking about Marvin Bagley. Like he legitimately doesn't know where to be on the basketball floor at all. It he's really bad fundamentally. And it's, it's shocking how, like how physically talented and athletic he is. But he has no impact on defense. Like he is not. He might as well not be on the floor defensively most nights because he just he he's he's clueless and he's really bad at the basics. Like I'm talking about two three zone, not just not just not like I forget what game I was watching. I was just horrified, <laughs> horrified at like he he was legit. Like I felt like Duke was playing a two on two zone with Wendell Carter basically guarding two guys in the paint 
and Marvin Bagley was just going baseline, like he was going from one baseline to the other baseline on both ends of the floor, just roaming. I'm like, what? What is he? Is he like? If I was like, is he just like doing this at random? What? What's the point of this? Like, it's a two-three zone. Just stay in your area, get your arms up, and and read what the offense is trying to do. Like, it it makes it most. It makes it so difficult to gauge him because you're right. If you watch him and, you know, most of the people that, you know, I still like college basketball, but for the top guys, I'm looking at these guys like I'm evaluating NBA draft prospects. And so you watch him off the ball on the defense and it's like he doesn't, he doesn't know, he doesn't know what to do. And it makes it tough to evaluate because, you know, you don't want to just say that he's going to be a terrible defender at the college level. I mean, at the NBA level, because if he figures out what to do, he has tools. Like, it's not like he has to be bad. But until you actually see it, you have to kind of assume he's going to be bad because there's just nothing that, like you know low, he's got a low steal rate, he's got a low block rate, all that fun stuff. Like he rebounds, he rebounds well, and he's a great athlete. But yeah, like, but he he rebounds well because he's not defending anybody. Like he and just, he's a freak athlete, which is at the NBA level, like you got to be more than a freak athlete to rebound. Like he'll be able to be okay, but especially at his like that. at his weight level, like he's not yeah. he's not exactly the most. And he well isn't super long individual. either. Like I think it's like no. I think he's like a, like a like a neutral wingspan, which isn't like it's not disastrous. But like I think he's a center at the NBA level because of the tools and all that stuff, and just the way the league's going. But it's tough, man. If like if that if that guy's your primary rim protector slash rebound, he can't be. He can't be. Not not right now. Maybe no. He can't. Maybe. That's what I'm saying. He can't be. But I think he almost has to be because of the way that his the rest of his skill set works. So like it's a tough fit. A lot of places. Like, I will say though. At the same time, I mean, he will produce. Like, it's such a it's such a weird thing to talk about. Oh, he's going to be, yeah. Because the he's going to <laughs> he's going to produce number. He's going to be super efficient. He's going to get to his spots offensively off the bounce, and he's going to score whether he's at the four or the five. It really won't matter with him because he's so physically talented that sometimes it just doesn't matter. At the same time, it's going to be very hard to win with him at the highest levels if he doesn't, you know, just become a smarter basketball player like he on like i watch him I'm like he, he has to learn how to play basketball i mean that, that's that's marvin bagley's biggest issue will he be able to learn how to play basketball at the next level because the nba is a lot harder than college and and there won't be a coach k just rolling you out to get embarrassed um and giving you the ball even though you really can't make the right pass you really can't, or you, or giving you the ball and you not being be able to do a, a DHO and you know, or you know, dribble handoff or set a solid screen like you're, like NBA like teams aren't going to pamper you like that. I mean, they might your rookie year, um, but that's it. That's it. I mean, they'll do it for the PR purposes, but you know, the teams that are trying to win basketball games, you just won't. He just won't be on the floor. Like my biggest fear is the Hawks are going to draft Marvin Bagley. And what people were crying about John Collins, like me included, crying about John Collins' lack of playing time, it's going to be three times worse. It'll be worse, yeah. Because Bagley just won't be on the floor at all. Like, I can totally see Bud just not playing him. I could see him going to the G League with the Hawks. I, that was my th- fear with, with Collins coming in is that I knew, you know, I know Bud pretty well. And if, if Collins wasn't going to defend, he wasn't going to play. And I said that in the preseason. I said, look, I mean, everybody's going to be calling. And it's, it's, it happened anyway. But at no point was Collins just not in the rotation. I had I had this big fear that 
if he was as bad as he could have been defensively, he just he wasn't going to play. And that w- that's exactly what will happen with Bagley if he were to come to Atlanta, is that if he's as bad as he looks right now, and you know Collins was bad too in, in, in similar and yet different ways in college, but you know if Bagley's this bad and this lost, he becomes unplayable at the NBA level. And, and I mean, obviously, maybe your GM can just you know twist Bud's arm and say you have to play this guy, but Bud's whole sort of operating procedure is to not play guys that he can't trust on defense, especially young guys. I mean, he did it. You know, he, they brought in Tim Hardaway, who was not even a rookie, and he basically said, "Hey, Tim, you can't play defense, so we so you're not playing." Like Bud is Bud doesn't care. He's not going to play a guy unless he just absolutely has to. And Bagley is that bad on defense right now. Like doesn't he doesn't have and, to be. He doesn't have to stay that bad. But for now, like I can't imagine him coming in day one as a rookie and being able to function as a as a as a center in an NBA scheme defensively. I just don't. It's going to be a learning curve. It just it just has to be. I mean, he back, like Bagley just has functioning a lot to work on. Um, and then one thing I would also add is that you know you really. <sighs> Like I hear, I hear people when talk about Bagley, and even we can bring in Aiton, yeah, because he's also bad defensively. Inexcus, like they're both inexcusably bad. Aiton less so, but Bagley's just—I mean, Bagley's just shockingly bad. Where Aiton <laughs> is just, Aiton is just, Aiton is frustratingly Aiton is the type bad. Of bad. Sometimes. Aiton yeah. is annoyingly bad, annoyingly in that, honestly, if he just stuck, stayed, to put one foot in the paint. Arizona would be a much better basketball team. Um, I don't know what's going on with them, but Bagley Bagley just doesn't know what he's doing. That said, both Aiton and Bagley are clearly not playing center. Well, Collins played center. Yeah. Collins challenged shots at the rim routine. Like Collins in the pick and roll was playing pick and roll defense like a center would. Mm-hmm. Aiton, Aiton and Bagley are both Bagley, I don't know what he's doing. Aiden is just switching everything just to show off that he can move his feet, which is cute, but it hurts his team. Uh, but uh, neither of them are are challenging shots at the rate that Collins did at Wake Forest, and also Collins played on a much worse basketball team with oh, he much did. less yeah. talent. I mean, he was he was uh, he was not he, not that he was it at Wake Forest that year, but he was clearly the alpha and the guy on that team. I mean, he he was the alpha, the omega, the yeah. sigma, everything because that. <laughs> That Wake Forest team was terrible. Like outside of him, and yeah. like Collins was bad defensively, and he was by far their best defensive player. And, like, yeah, and, and honestly, one of, one of his big things was that he, he just fouled all the time. Whereas Bagley and Aiden have less concern about that, but a lot of that is just not in a good way. Like you almost want them to foul more. <laughs> if that makes sense, like you want. That's... Yeah, I, I want both of them to be physical and right. play with the type of physicality, their athleticism size and skill would suggest they should play with neither do that that said they wouldn't be the first or the last time one and dunners played crap defense yeah and then turned out like jason tatum shockingly is a very good defender in the nba right, right he, and he was he was he was pretty pretty bad last year that said that said uh he's a lot better than Bagley is at duke right now and that's who you need to compare Bagley Bagley to. You need to pay, compare him Bagley to uh, him and Ingram um, over at Duke because he's basically playing power forward. He's playing power forward full time at Duke. Like he's never oh, yeah. he's never at center just because Coach K. Like I I harp on Coach K. And I personally feel I have feelings about Coach K. And I feel like he's kind of stopped coaching s- since he got these one and dunners to get them to come to Duke or whatever. But that's another topic for another day. That said, he um, 
K does a really good job of getting these one and doneers in prime position. Like, really does a great job of masking these guys' weaknesses and elevating their strengths. And he's really pushing it with Bagley because he is so bad defensively, and he's trying <laughs> everything he can to to uh, keep scouts away from that fact at the moment. Um, it doesn't it doesn't help that he also has Grayson Allen, which is a whole other issue because those guys are uh, uh, really bad together. But uh, all right, let's go, <laughs> let's get off of them. Um, let's talk about guys who I think get even less pub, and that is uh, Mo Bamba and Jaron Jackson, who are very different players, but also very similar in some ways in that they're defense first, all that fun stuff. I think that's going to be a debate, I think. It's already brewing in my mind as to who goes first between Bamba and Jackson. So, I mean, I know a lot of Hawks fans probably have much less uh, of an opinion on these two guys because they're just more, you know, under the radar uh, as college players. But what, what do you see from Bamba and Jackson? You know, Bamba's the freak you know, seven, seven, you know, seven, nine wingspan, whatever the heck he has. And then Jackson's definitely the more uh, sort of under the radar. People have compared him to Al Horford, which I always appreciate. Uh, the uh, the, non, the non-box the non score guy that just happens to be really good at a lot of different things kind of player. So what have you seen from those guys? Well, Jaron Jackson fills up the box score. It's just defensively. Yeah, it's the defensive uh, box score. It's not, it's not the plus a, rebounds guy. I mean, he's a... Jared Jackson is a monster defensively. He yep. he has defensive player of the year talent. Uh, uh, man, he's everything that the modern NBA needs their big man to be and more. Uh, he can shoot threes, defend out on the perimeter, defend in space, defend in the rim, um, handsy, plays hard, plays with energy, effort. He's um, at, by the way, he's average, He has a fourteen point six percent block rate. Yeah, he's he's Which he's is a freak. Absurd. <laughs> he he is a freak. Bamba, Bamba's just a physical freak, and he's also like Mo Bamba. The biggest concern is will he put on the weight necessary for him to be a dominant defensive basketball player? Because if he can put on the weight, nobody's making a shot against him at the rim, and he's just going to catch lob dunks, set great screens. But it, Bamba is one of those things where you got to get him in, you got to do the interviews, and you got to hope he has to drive to improve himself. And it's a, it's a, and I've been, I've been coming, becoming more and more pro Bamba as the season gone on because he's shown legitimate improvement offensively. He's playing a little bit harder, playing tougher. Uh, he's being stronger with the basketball. He's had some very explosive um, scoring games offensively. He's got a, he's got a jumper. Um, it doesn't go in, but you know it's just as important that <laughs> at this moment he shoots it. It, uh, it, doesn't, just, it, it doesn't look bad either. Like it's for, yeah. his, for his size, it, it's surprisingly competent-ish. And he he's got great hands. Like he's got ridiculous hands and finishes with either hand. Doesn't matter. Something Bagley can't do. Another. I, I, I hate that I, I bag on Bagley so much because he he really is truly talented, but. Bamba can finish with either hand, jump hook with either hand, really. But he's not as offensively gifted at all. He doesn't have the just basketball awareness, you know, that innate basketball ability or ability to score the basketball like Bagley does. It is a a mortal lock that people like you and me are going to be a lot higher on Jaron Jackson and, and Mo Bamba too as well, but especially Jackson than casual fans will be because... You know, right now, Jaron Jackson's averaging 11.6 points and 5.9 rebounds per game. People are going to see that, and they're going to say, that guy, that, guy po- that guy can't possibly be a top-five pick in the draft. And then I'm going to tell you just what we've already said. Like His defense is so absurd. 
and he can already shoot threes. Like he is, he's never going to be like a offensive focal point in the NBA. But if you are a, a league average offensive player who plays defense like he does, you are a monster. And yeah, and that's it. And that's and that's what and that's why I talk about. Um, you know what? What does your basketball team want to be? What does your basketball team? Does your team need an elite scorer, or does your team need a dominant defensive basketball player? Like, well, let's, let's get... talk about the Hawks. Like, let's talk about the Hawks. Like, everybody's going to ask that question. Like, especially with all these bigs, it's like, who fits with John Collins? And it, it's tough because Collins is still his own sort of. He's kind of a tweener at this stage. Like, there's always there's some questions. I mean, obviously, Collins has been really good this year, but. You know, fitting with him is going to be interesting in a lot of ways. So, like, I don't know. Let's talk about just the, the the possible fits with all these guys and Collins because, you know, on the roster right now for the Hawks, Collins is the only guy, I think, that I'm, you know, super confident is going to be on the team next year on the entire roster. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, he's the only guy that is, like, a concern at all with fit. And I know because he is so, so, so versatile in a lot of ways, it's probably going to be relatively easy to fit. But, like, do any of these guys just not fit with him or is that – is that any of uh, is that a concern at all for you for any, any of these guys at all? Um, the ideal fit with uh, John Collins is Doncic, but other yeah, aside than Doncic, from that, we're talking about bigs. I know, I know, but I'm just it's good. It's I'm glad you said that because that's absolutely true. Cause, but the ideal fit is probably Aiton, just because he's the most physically gifted, and again, if he just you know stays his butt in the paint like he. Will in the NBA just because you're seven foot and you're seven five wingspan, like you're a center dude, and you're going to have to you know take you're going to have to put, learn ver- and the second you know Aiden learns verticality is the second he'll be a a very good uh, defensive player in the NBA. Um, so probably Aiden followed by uh, Jackson and Bamba. Um, I'm I'm leaning Bamba more and more every. Honestly, I'm leaning Bamba more and more every day towards catching up to Aiden if he keeps up his offensive production um, since January. Uh, but um, uh, Jaron Jackson, you know, Jaron Jackson played with anybody. Uh, he's just yeah. he he's that he's that basketball player every every great basketball team needs like. Jaron Jackson is the type of basketball player that LeBron James has been missing in his life in Cleveland. Like that's like the all of Cleveland's a lot of Cleveland's uh, Cleveland's weaknesses would be uh, would be helped if they had somebody like Jaron Jackson. They might get get it with the Nets pitch. So who who knows? But um. So and then Bagley's last just because. Bagley would just put so much on Collins's shoulders defensively, I do. yeah, like unfairly. I, like honestly, unfairly. Like earlier, I thought, yeah, yeah, Bagley and Collins could would work just because of the talent level. Offensively, I think it'd be fine. I think the concerns about their position, they're just so athletically gifted, it really won't matter. Defensively, like you, like it's not even that Collins is bad. It's just that Bagley doesn't know what he's doing, and I can totally see Collins just. Cause, like John, one of the hardest things John's got to learn, and he's done a be- he's done a much better job since coming back from his shoulder injury is is him basically just giving up on plays that he can't win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause he 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 tries to contest everything, and that is a that is an admirable trait. Except you know when you do that, you're also going to get yourself in foul trouble, and there's just sometimes you just got to take the loss, like at that. Like you're, 
your teammate let you down there. You can't help them every time. Um, and, and I feel like with Bagley, he just Bagley won't have his back the same way that Ersan Ilias over Mike Muscala and uh, Dwayne Dedman have Collins's back. Like if Collins makes a mistake, it's just done. Um, the, you know, it's just an easy layup at the rim because Bagley just he he can't see the floor right now. I again, I I didn't want to like I don't want this pod to delve into the bag on Bagley show. Uh, no, I get it though. I mean, it's it's worth noting. Like, okay, I guess the only the question is, is the fit such a concern that if you if you're the Hawks and you grade Martin Bagley as the best player available when you pick, do you avoid him just because of that? That's that's really the question. Is it enough I mean, to if, like drop if, you? If, if their scouts grade Marvin Bagley as the most talented basketball player, uh, and the guy him? they want to, yeah, then just take him. Would I agree with it? No, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, they're professionals. They know more than we do. There's, they probably know some stuff about, you know, Bagley. They got good. They're, you know, they have a great coach, and maybe they can coach him up. But just from my outsider's perspective, I don't know how you can come to that conclusion. Uh, I'm with you, actually. I, I think it's uh, he's the only guy of that group that is a legitimate fit concern. Everybody else, you can see it working in a lot of ways. You know, there's there are guy. You know, ultimately, I'm still in the camp that I think Collins is better at center, but there's not a situation where he can't play for next to a guy like Bamba or next to a guy like Aiton, and those guys are they have enough versatility together. They can both kind of play together. It would work. Um, I think both, like either Bombo or Aiden, just because they can shoot, like they right. have functional jumpers, exactly. That it'll be fine. And like they're great. They, and they're great athletes. They're long. Yep. And Collins, Collins, I think is still going to be impro- like we've seen him now be able to step out and shoot a little bit. Like the the development of all the, of those guys together would it would be fine. Um, Bagley, it's really just defense as we as, as we kind of talked about there. That, that would be because offense would be fine. Eventually, uh, defense would not probably be <laughs> at least at least right and away. We didn't. I didn't like. I don't think we delved too deep into Aiton. Um, like the dude looks like David Robertson in his. He's prime. a he's an absolute physical I, monster. He uh, he really should be the number one overall pick. That he's not is the concern with me. That honestly, if you want to boil it down, is that he's not perfect, and that he's not. I mean, he's dominating, but he's not dominating the same way you want to see franchise-level centers, franchise-changing centers dominate. Um, The way that Embiid, you know, when he was on the floor at Kansas, he was a dominant defender. Carl Towns, like, Carl Towns has defensive problems now, but at Kentucky, you know, they should have went undefeated. And he was a big reason why on both ends of the floor. Um, Anthony Davis is... Anthony Davis does not get enough hype for how dominant he was as a freshman at Kentucky just because he didn't put up the points. He was a monster defensively. And, like, Aiton's just not that dude because he doesn't play center. And I, th- it's so weak. Like, it, Aiton's situation in Arizona is so confusing. I don't exactly know what's going on. Sean Miller is one of those college coaches I have a lot of respect for because – he gets his dudes playing the right way, playing good defense, and watching them this year is stunning. Um, I, I don't know why Aiton switches every time. Like, Aiton, Aiton switches every time on every pick and roll, regardless of if the team has an advantage or not. Like, he just does it. I, I 
and I, I I can't believe Sean Miller is telling Aiton to do this. I don't know what's going on with them. Um, my biggest concern with Aiton, honestly, is that he ends up being a DeAndre Jordan-level defender. And if he's just a DeAndre Jordan-level defender, who, who's a good defender, right? Like DeAndre Jordan, like he's he, he'll never win a de- he should never win a defensive player a year, but that's a good defensive player, and, and he'll be good offensively. But he'll never be the uber duber star that his talent level suggests he should be. Talent wise, he should be as good as he should be Embiid, like even possibly even better than Embiid. He, he might be more athletic than him, which is crazy to say. Yeah, um, might be true though. Um, but you know, it's 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 just one of those things where it I can't I can't project anything until I see him play good defense and. You know, right now at Arizona, he's not. He's just. I don't. I don't know what he's doing. It's one of those. It's one of those things. I just don't have enough information on the guy. Um, at the same time, like, he's got all the tools to be one of the best basketball players of all time. Like, and it's not like you will. Multiple people have said this beyond me. It's not hyperbole either. If you ever just watch him on the court, recognize that he's seven foot. He's 260 plus pounds and he moves like that. Like, like he moves like he's a small forward. It's crazy. Um, but you know, I mean, that's, that's, by the way, that's, that's the concern. Like if you don't take Aiton and Aiton maxes out, like if the Hawks, if the Hawks are number one pick, which is, you know, this is a lot of ifs because you know, more likely than not, the Hawks will not be, will not be picking number one. That's just, that's just the reality of the situation. But if, if they were and you, and you took somebody else besides Aiton and Aiton maxes out, you're going to look dumb. Because Aiden has the highest ceiling, and it's not particularly close. I mean, maybe Doncic, because of the fact that he's on the wing, would would be on that same level. Because the wing, yeah. you know, wings are just what wings are just more valuable right now in today's NBA. But out of all the bigs, like Aiden's ceiling is just so much higher than everybody else's. I see, and that's the thing. Like, I I think I disagree with you know, see, like, and this is why I have Doncic as no doubt number one. Just because I think his ceiling is, I think he, his ceiling is, you know, one of the best, greatest of all time as well. Like, and that's that's why it's close. And, like, and I, the different, and the and to me, the difference between uh, the difference between Doncic and Aiden is that Doncic is doing it right now. Yep. You know, statistically, and Aiden isn't. That that's it. Because you know, from a physical standpoint, like I get he's not the uber athlete that you know LeBron James is, but you can't like he's a good athlete. And I mean, he's he's two thirty six eight, like, <laughs> and he can and he drip. Look, he's got a he he probably has a better handle than you, uh, Dennis Schroeder. I, I like that's not that's not hyperbole for me to say. Like, you know, Doncic is uber skilled. Like he he's already super gifted with the ball in his hands. Like he's. Like, I feel like his ceiling is probably James Harden and James Harden. I mean, James Harden as he is right now, because that's that's a prototype of basketball player that Doncic is playing as for Real Madrid. And he's been dominant over there. And I feel like if that translate, you know, you got yourself a you know, possible MVP candidate. Same with Aiden. I, 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 I that, and that's why I'm like, I, I hear I hear folks when they say, like, you know, Aiden has a higher ceiling and that probably in a vacuum that may be true but to me right now like i'm a if you don't show it to me statistically yep 
it's hard for me to sell you on being one of the greatest of all time because Aiden's profile does not match up with the modern great uh, with the great NBA bigs that played college basketball. Like they don't match up with Shaq. Production wise, yeah. They don't match up with Carl Towns. They don't match up with Joel Embiid's Anthony Davis. Uh, pick a big, pick a big who was a dominant basketball player in college. They just don't match up. They're closer to Kevin Love. They're closer to. Um, I can't think of another big who was good, but not you know. Yeah, no, but, but I mean, it, the, the point. Eight, the point eight, eight production is closer to Kevin Love than they are to Joel Embiid, and and that's my fear is that you're going to draft this freak of nature, and he's just going to be. I mean, it's not even a fear though. That's still a star basketball player, right? Right. That's not. That's not a franchise changer. And I see Doncic as being a true franchise culture setter just because of how valuable his passing is. And if we can go off a bit, that's why I'm also still high on Trey Young. Just because just because you just need that gifted guy that can see the that can see the play before it happens, like and make the right read or have keep the dribble for another half second so the guy can get open or give the ball up a half a second sooner than uh, you uh, uh, an ordinary basketball player does. And, you know, Doncic does that all the time. And Trey Young, moving on to him, he does it too. Um, the the thing is with Trey Young, though, if, if his jumper is not truly elite, um, I mean, I still think he's going to be a good NBA basketball player, but he's, he's not big. Like, he's not that athletic, though he is super quick. Uh, I think his... I think his quickness, I feel, his quickness with the ball is very underrated. But um, he's got to be. I mean, he's just got to be a Damian Lillard, Kimball Walker type shooter. Yeah, uh, I mean that's the thing with for me. For it's funny you don't you hear it a little bit with Young uh, and the athletic concerns. I have more athleticism concerns about Young than I do about Doncic. Oh yeah, without question. And you don't hear it near as much with Young as you do with Doncic, and you know, and it's just what it is. But it's it's a part of that size, you know. Obviously, you know, Young is fairly slight and just isn't that big, and was never considered to be that kind of prospect because he isn't that kind of athlete. Mm-hmm. If he shoots like the way he did the first two months of the college season, it doesn't even matter almost because like if you shoot like that and handle like he can and pass like he can. You're going to be good. It doesn't doesn't almost doesn't matter what else you do. Like he, I think he's a pretty bad defender. Like and probably will be always. But if, if you're that kind of offensive player, you mentioned Damian Lillard. That's, that's probably a pretty good comp. Dame's never going to be a good defensive player. He's never been a good a good defensive player. But he's an all star because he can shoot like that and handle like that and do all the things that he can do. And that and that's and that's Trey Young's biggest gift is just how uber skilled he is. He already can like draw ch- cheap fouls on. I feel like he comes to the NBA, he's going to be able to draw cheap fouls just because of how gifty he is with the ball in his hands. Like, he's just, I mean, I, I mean, he's a joy to watch at Oklahoma when, you know, his teammates, you know, decide that they're able to make easy layups that he gives them. When they're not, Oklahoma's tough to watch because they're just not. They're, yeah, like, Lon Kruger's a very good coach. That's not a very good basketball team that he's coaching right now, and they're kind. Of, I think they're getting exposed now in conference play, because um, I mean it's Trey Young and a bunch of and a bunch of dudes that aren't good. Like, and yeah. he props them up a lot. Like, and I don't, and I think that goes underappreciated with what Trey Young is doing. Uh, but since his shooting has fallen back, 
that to me naturally he's just fallen back as a prospect. Um, earlier in the season when he was truly playing at Steph Curry levels, I had him up there with top three, but now he's probably at the bottom seven or eight. You know, a team that drafted him would be lucky to have him. Like, I'd still want the Hawks to draft him, uh, but probably not over. Like, if if you want my personal tier, tier list, it's probably yeah, Doncic, Doncic, Aiton, uh, Bamba, Jackson, Bagley, Carter, uh, and with Jared Jackson, Bagley, and Carter, um, and I'm probably missing somebody else. Well, and then, then Trey you, Young. Yeah. Trey Young after that. And then Porter, uh, and then oh, Porter's the X Factor. Basically. Oh, yeah. That's who I was missing because I haven't seen him. Yeah, Michael Porter. I'd act probably have Michael Porter ahead of Bagley. Like if you if you want my honest opinion, just because sure. Is there I any mean, is there anybody I mean I, I was gonna ask you this and we'll ask I actually want to ask you about two different things here in a second. Is first first of which is is there anybody else that we haven't talked about you think maybe think could get in that class? Like whether it be you got Colin Sexton, you got, you know, Mikhail Bridges, Miles Bridges, those kind of guys. Like I think it's for me it's mostly a pretty clear top eight. And if you have to get beyond the eight, you go into, you know, maybe Sexton makes a leap if he can start shooting the ball better, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we have kind of covered it, but is there anybody else that you're sort of thinking could be in that I think you're obvious I think you're higher on Carter than what a lot of people are. But aside from Yeah, I'm that, probably too high on Carter just because I enjoy him so much more than I enjoy watching him play because he's very like, – he, he's just a smart basketball player and he's very gifted and, you know, he does everything well. You know, any team that drafts him know you're going to get a good basketball player. Um, yep. And I, he's probably – he's one of the safest picks in this draft. But I am probably too high on him. Like, Young is probably – I'd have Young ahead of Carter. Um, I, yeah, I, just, I, I think at I think the same it, time, if, I, if a team drafted uh, uh, Carter ahead of Young, you have a lot of angry fans. Yeah, <laughs> deservedly so. So just because Trey Young, you know, at the end of the day, has you know the type of talent that could boost your offense into top five every year, and Carter, you know, for all his gifts, like I think Carter can probably maybe make a couple All Stars. Uh, Maybe at his high end, he might be Al Horford, Al Horford, or um, Paul Millsap, or you know that type, that level of big man at at his very peak. Whereas the other dudes ahead of him have higher ceilings, um, including Jaron Jackson, who, like I said, just you know, I mean, he's, I mean, he's Draymond Green at the college level. That doesn't mean he's going to be Draymond Green at the pro level. But Draymond Green wasn't Draymond Green in college, you know. If that if that makes any type of sense, like no, Dr- I mean, Dr- Draymond was like two seventy in college, yeah, and was Draymond a really good was, defender, but like was not the athlete that he is now. Yeah, and he, Jaron Jackson is better than Draymond was at the same age. So oh, for sure, and they and, and they profile as similar basketball players. He's not the, you know, a, a similar type of basketball player, similar type of role player, the elite role player that your team wants. For sure. Um, if you have a, if you have a superstar or you got a superstar type prospect, I like the Suns would love. I the Suns would like Jaron Jackson and Wendell Carter would be great on their team, just because they're they they they'll play their role and they'll boost up their talented offense. Their you know Devin Booker's uh, offensive value just with how well they play off of him, but um. No, I, other than those guys, 
like I like Colin Sexton. He's Pebble Brook's own, so he's a Cobb County alumnus. Oh yes. Um, but uh, I think he's going to be a a starting NBA point guard. I don't see I don't see the super duper so, upside with him. I feel bad. I feel I generally feel bad that I see Colin Sexton and I look and I'm like, yeah, maybe he can be Jeff T. But the thing is, that's that's a good Jeff T. Was very good. I know that's a good basketball player. You know, if you take and, my, my my thing, if, if you take that guy at like you know nine or ten, and he becomes Jeff Teague, that's a good pick. Yeah, that's a good pick. But you know what? It's not. It's not special. No, it's that's the thing about like I spent my argument about Torian Prince the whole time was the Hawks took him at twelve in a pretty bad draft, and if that guy becomes a starter for you. That's a great pick. Now the jury's out on whether he actually becomes a, a legitimate starter for you, but if he does, even if he's just an average starter, three and D type, that's great. Uh, the question is whether he actually is that. But you know, it's all it's, about it's great. It's great relative to where you draft and right. the value you're getting at them as a basketball exactly. player. It's that's not right. great for entertainment value. Oh no, and absolutely that's, not. And that's my problem. And that, and I think. It's starting to it, it bleeds over onto like the current Hawks. Like uh, Dennis Schroeder, honestly, I feel like if I were to be objective about it, he's been fine. And maybe that's my biggest problem with him. Is I'm, that not, I'm not sure he has been, but I I don't know. I go back and forth. Like I can I don't know. It's I can just, do both sides too. Like offensively, for instance. I will always defend Dennis a little bit in the fact that he is asked to do too much for what he should be asked to be able to do, but it's because he has to on this team. They don't have the creation. So like he should never have a 30% usage rate. Part of that is yeah. his fault, but part of that is the system and not having anybody else that can create their own offense. But the, 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 the defensive stuff will just never be okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, agreed. It's just, I mean, I'm just as a talent. Dennis Schroeder is fine. How, yeah, how, agreed. Put it that way. As a, but he's not, he's not selling tickets. No casual fan is coming to watch Dennis Schroeder play basketball. And I feel bad that I watch Colin Sexton. And I just see, I just see a fine basketball player. Like, yeah, he's good. His his biggest trait is that he, he plays incredibly hard. And that, but that will thing, make him be a, a good NBA player for a long time. But as you kind of mentioned, that's not going to take him but to at, the ceiling. At the same time, the biggest reason why Trey Young is ahead of him is because Trey Young, if he hits, like he's fun to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, the upside between those two guys is not even in the, in the same realm. I think yeah. Sexton's upside is like Kyle Lowry, which is very, it, very good. Yep. Um, but Trey Young's upside is – I'm not even. I'm not going to use Curry because I, I find that comp to be frustrating. Kimball Walker, I, sure, Kimball is a good I'd comp, or da- or Dame like, Lillard, one of those two guys. Yeah, and they're just and, and it's more fun. Like <laughs> functionally, I feel like you know that's a honestly they're probably like talent wise. I think Colin Sexton has is is the much more like physically gifted basketball player. Oh yeah, but the skill difference is just so massive. I uh, like I. I'm like it's just, it sucks that that's how I view talent now. I was like, I just want, I want the super duper star. Like I want the, I want the flash, um, the flashy, uh, playmaking skill from the whoever the Hawks pick over, you know, solid. 
Well, um, I mean, it's a it's a very justifiable opinion because even even on the sixty win Hawks, they haven't had that guy ever since Dominique. I mean, it's I mean, they had a, that, that team was a lot of fun. I am the big, the world's biggest fan of both Paul Millsap and Al Horford, but they haven't had a guy that was like that kind of. It's not even necessarily about stardom. It's just about like having that primary perimeter electrifying offensive player. They haven't had that guy. I mean, they have some guys who had, had really good years. You know, Jeff Jeff had a, had one great year. Um, you know, there's been some. You know, Steve Smith was very good. There, there were there, there's been some guys that have had really you know all star level seasons, but not like that. Yeah. So I think functionally, at the end of the day, that's what I. Um. The Hawks, like, man, I, it's going to be tough if they don't get, if they don't get a superstar in, in this draft or the next this draft. Is the, this is the time. I mean, I, the lottery rules and all that change. I don't really necessarily care about the lottery reform all that much because you know, at the end of the day, you still have to get lucky, and that that draft is a long way away. Um, but you know, they need to get some upside in this draft. Yeah, yeah, agreed. That's, and it, I mean, it's weird. Like that said, like. I'd be okay with them drafting Jackson. It's weird. I say all that, and I'd be perfectly fine if they draft Jackson or Bamba. But I think those guys have upside. upside. Yeah, they do. They do have superstar upside at the same time. But, they do, um, and it wouldn't be traditional, just, like you know, twenty-five yeah. point a night upside. But it's like you know, Bamba. NBA, Bamba's upside is Rudy, Rudy Gobert upside. Yep. yep. And that and guy's the NBA, a star. They, I mean, the NBA is changing. Like Draymond Green's a star. Uh, yeah, Rudy Gobert is a star. Rudy, Rudy yep. Gobert is a top twenty player in the league. Like that's a star. Like it is absolutely. It is. So, you know, hopefully they get somebody like that. Um, and that and and I think they, you know, I think and that's why this draft is pretty good because those the guys we talked about, even back with who we've you know we've kind of crapped on, like he's still like he's a star good. talent. I mean, yeah. he could still average twenty and ten in like his third year, and no one, no one will be surprised. Like nope, at all. And nope. and he'll be it'll be one of those twenty and tens that you know casual fans will like more than people that actually have to watch him, uh, and and watch him defend. But you know there's something to be said for guys that can just go get production, and he's going to be one of those guys. So agreed. Uh, you know we can probably go I mean, and we'll do this. We're, we're going to do this again before the draft, and that's uh, that's for sure. But I don't know, man. I mean, if it's the number if the number one pick, I think you and I are in agreement as to what the Hawks should do. Um, aside from that. It gets to be very interesting. I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit, but before before I let, let you get out of here, is there any other consideration other than pairing with Collins as to like what the Hawks should do? So I think a lot of people, at least the Dennis Schroeder fans, will be you know resident reticent is the word I'm looking for to take a point guard if that's the best player on, on the floor. I think you and I, and I'll speak for myself, and I'll let you speak as well. If Trey Young's the best player on the on the board, you just take you try, you take Trey Young, and and you figure it out with Dennis Schroeder later. That's that's my opinion. But where are you on yeah. that? I, I assume you're in the same place I am. I'm with you 100. percent Like, let let me be 100 percent frank. I've tweeted this a bunch of times. If the Hawks drive Luka Doncic or Trey Young, Dennis Schroeder shouldn't be on this team next season. Well, and it, yeah, that's that's because uh, Don, Doncic needs the ball in his hands, and Dennis Schroeder can't. Dennis Schroeder has shown nothing to suggest that he can play without the basketball. And that's just the end of the day. Like to me, I, I, I'm not afraid to say that Doncic is probably a better basketball player than Dennis Schroeder right now. And that's not even that much. Like I, I think Dennis Schroeder is fine, but 
he's just not he's not skilled in the way Mike Budenholzer needs his playmakers to be skilled. And that I think that if you want to boil down Dennis Schroeder's biggest weakness, even beyond his defense, is that offensively, he's not good enough for me. Like, or, you know, for Bud, Jeff Teague wasn't good enough. Um, Mike Bibby wasn't good enough. Joe Johnson wasn't good enough. These, the, the, all the perimeter basketball players the Hawks have had for since Dominique Wilkins just functionally have not been good enough. They, the Hawks need us. Your team needs a superstar talent perimeter basketball player if you want to win at the highest levels and nothing will change until the Hawks you know get get a Doncic or maybe Trey Young ends up being you know that type of basketball player so for me um you know I Trey like Dennis Schroeder concerns about Dennis Schroeder shouldn't even come up concerns about any basketball player that's not named John Collins should come up and even then like John Collins is to me. John Collins is so gifted. Like I don't think it they'll they'll make it work with anybody, any of the bigs uh, in this draft. So. Yeah, and I think the only other, I mean, I guess the the second best or third best assets on the roster, you know, are you know, you know, Torian Prince, Kent Bazemore. Those those guys will fit in with whoever. Um, you know, you don't, and, you don't you don't you don't you don't avoid taking a wing because you have Torian Prince, and Kent Bazemore. Like yeah, I I take I take Michael. Porter bad back and all and starting him over Torian Prince. I, I'm, oh, I, and yeah, I mean, there's that. I, and with Porter, he's legit, you know, 6'9", 6'10". He actually can play some small, some small ball four as well. So yeah, you, you, even, if you, even if you actually liked Torian a whole lot, which I'm wavering on that quite a bit myself, but even if you were in love with Torian, you wouldn't have any reason to avoid a wing because every, every team needs you, – you need three, four, five wings. Like there's no reason to not – do that. I think the only, again, we talked about this before, but the, the only guy to be concerned about is Collins, and if you're okay with drafting whoever with him, that's that's kind of all that matters. But I guess to answer your original question, be Trey Young and Michael Porter. Um, I think I, I said that early in the year. Those are the three guys that before Michael Porter, you know, back gave out, uh, and after Trey Young had flashed Steph Curry potential, like those are the three guys I wanted the Hawks to draft the most just because they play on the perimeter. Sure. I'd be I, I mean I'd be fine. like I would rationalize with the bigs with the understanding that you know the Hawks didn't draft that super duper entertaining basketball player. They might have drafted a great basketball player, but not entertaining, like fun to watch. Um, and that's I mean that's weird for me to say as a fan that wants to see this team win a championship, but. I just offensively, I want this team to be exciting again. Like I missed the sixty-one basketball team, and what that what the team has missed since then is an offensive superstar because that's what Kyle Korver was on that sixty-one team. Um, just with his gravity alone as such a dynamite shooter, and how he moved off the ball, like it really opened up the game for everybody else to showcase their talent as basketball players. And I just want the Hawks to draft. Either in this one or the next one, you know that type of basketball player to build your offensive offense offense around. Um, you know, and maybe that ends up being Aiden. I don't. You know, he he has to become Shaq, which I mean, he very well might. He's just that physically, you know, impressive. But um, I don't know. Like it if it, you know, so you know, Doncic, Aiden, like all like really all those dudes, like. You know, they're very, all of them are talented. And, you know, even Bagley, maybe Bagley, 
you know, morphs into Giannis Antetokounmpo somehow. But, uh, it's, I mean, it's a deep draft, but, you know, if you, if I, like we've beaten this dead horse so many times, (laughs) but, you know, Doncic is just, he's, he's just special. And hopefully I truly hope the Hawks get him, but. We'll see. Me too. And listen, if there's a couple mock drafts out there that have him fall into three, four, five. So that's insane. But I, you know, if the Hawks were picking third, you'll be, there'll be, there'll be prayers everywhere for uh, Aiton and Bagley to go one and two or something like that. So uh, anyway, man, well, thank you for uh, giving me an hour of your time. Uh, anything else you want to get It's been an there? hour? It's been an hour. Actually, it's probably been longer than that, honestly. Oh it's it's what we do, man. I, it is what it is. We get, why do we, we do going. that? It's I it's did. basketball. We just talked about it. Uh, yeah, it I guess. We didn't <laughs> even talk about Tyler Dorsey. We didn't. Tyler Dorsey has been good. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Second round pick, all you can ask for so far. That's my opinion on Tyler Dorsey at the moment. So Yep, um I'm agreed. Uh but other than that, you know, Hawks are basically the same as they've always been. Collins is fun. Everybody else is kinda on this oscillating of Terrible, and uh, he's pretty good, uh, f- at least for Torian Prince and Dennis Schroeder specifically. Oh, Torian has been maddening recently. But recently? I mean, all season defensively he's been maddening. Oh, yes, yes. Now he can't make a jumper. It, right. At, at least at the beginning of the year, the defense was masked by the fact that he was shooting the heck out of the ball. Um, now it's not good on either end of the floor, at least for about the last month or so. Uh, I'm not giving up on Prince, but it's been a it's been a rough development year for Torian Prince. I will say. That. I don't know. I don't know what's happened to him. I, it's he was he was so much better his rookie season defensively. He and he's got better. a year under his belt, and he's just not playing as hard. Like yeah. I don't. I mean, I guess part of that is just the fact that they're not good, and I, I guess I guess at this point he's like a walking demonstration of the fans that think that you can't develop on a losing team. Which yeah, I, I disagree with that, but I mean he's he's trying to make their point for him. I will say, <laughs> I, will, I, I will say that. Yeah, he he's got he he's got to work through some things. Like, and maybe maybe he is tied, but he's been bad defensively all year. And, I mean, I I don't want to drag this on any longer, but like last year he was like the Hawks put Torian on Goran Dragic, and he was following him around screens and. Causing Dragic, Dragic legit problems, uh, you know, as a defender last year, and he was challenging shots at the rim. Remember him challenging shots at the rim? Like he used to do verticality, all that fun stuff, and yep. now it's just it's not there anymore. Like he doesn't, he's not doing anything defensively, and it's, I mean, it's been like I game to game, I've been truly shocked with the lack of athleticism he's played with on the defensive end. Uh, I mean, they're like go watch what he did to the Grizzlies uh, last year, and it, it, I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a different basketball player, and I don't know what happened to him. Um, yep. But hundred percent, it, it's whatever. <laughs> it is. Well, all right, man. Well, thank you for uh, joining me. As always, we will have you back very soon to probably talk a little bit more about the actual Atlanta Hawks instead of the theoretical Atlanta Hawks, but. Uh, Plenty of time, man. Between now and June, the Hawks play some more basketball games, but not a whole lot is likely to change. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see what we'll see what transpires here, and we'll have plenty to talk about. All right, thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me on.
It's my pleasure as always. Uh, as for everybody else, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. If you've not done it already, if you made it to the end of this thing, I appreciate it for sure. And we'll see you guys later on in the week.